This Wednesday evening, let's take our Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We'd like to start a new study tonight that will take us several weeks as we study the Bible teachings on heaven, a series on heaven. While you're turning to John 14, I want to tell you about a gentleman that my family and I got to meet years ago when we were on vacation. Uh, Independent Fundamental uh, Baptist Evangelist named Bill Pitsenbarger and his wife Naomi. Uh, we Our paths crossed and he had been in evangelism for um, over 40 years at that point and was his health had declined and he'd written a couple books, gave them to us and uh, this is from his a story from his book Tales from the Trail The Adventures of Bill and Naomi Pitsenbarger During 40 Years of itinerant ministry. Bill tells the story in his first chapter, a book that we have thoroughly enjoyed as a family, of how they were traveling up to Maine and were uh, headed there for some revival or evangelistic meetings, and their daughter Wendy asked if one of her teenage friends could come along on the trip. They did say yes, so they all packed into their Volkswagen Rabbit that gets about 50 miles to the gallon, very little space. And the daughter asked if, instead of taking the interstate, they could go Highway 52 up through Florence, South Carolina, and so up, so as to avoid those boring interstate highways. And Dad agreed to it, and so the evangelist family and the young friend took off. And it wasn't but just a short way into the trip that they regretted it because uh, rather than the good speeds, they were having to pick up and slow down between 35 and 55 miles per hour. Both girls that said they were really going to enjoy the scenery on the backcountry roads were asleep within about 15 minutes. And Dad was wishing he hadn't driven that way. As they were nearing Florence, they came to a sign that said reduce speed to 45 miles per hour when light is flashing. And evangelist Bill Pitsenbarger commented to his wife Naomi that at least we don't have to slow down in this little one-horse town because the light's not flashing. And he thanked the Lord for that small blessing and continued on at the rapid speed of 55 miles per hour. Hadn't gone far and saw some lights flashing behind him. Um... Then, uh, assuming that it was someone else, he pulled over, waited for the car to pass, and instead the police officer pulled behind him. Now, he knew he was not speeding because the sign said the speed limit was 55, except when the light was flashing, and it wasn't. Police officer, and he talked for several minutes, and um, he, uh, the police officer told him that he pulled him over because he had been going um, over 55. And he said he normally didn't argue with a policeman, but this was too much. He told him that absolutely the light was not flashing. The police officer said that it was flashing. Well, as they continued to talk, it turns out that uh, the police officer asked him what he was doing, said he was scheduled to preach evangelistic meetings in Maine. He was a Baptist preacher. When he did, the, the The police officer closed his ticket book, handed him back his driver's license, explained that his wife was in the hospital with a massive stroke, very serious. He was worried 
about her, and that morning he had asked God to send someone to him that would pray for his wife and said, I believe that God sent you. Well, he asked if Brother Bill Pittsburgher would, and, and he did, prayed for his police officer's wife, Jesse. And the preacher took the police officer by the hand and prayed from the bottom of his heart. And when he looked up, there were tears streaming down the rough, scarred officer's face. He said, I asked the officer if his wife knew the Lord, and he said, yes, she is a good Christian lady. And I asked him, and he said he was not saved. And Brother Bill assured him that if God chose not to heal his wife, she would be fine, but that she would go to be with the Lord in heaven. Then he reminded him that if if it had been a different situation, and it was the police officer, then um, and he would not be in heaven. And he explained how he could be saved right there on the side of the road. And the police officer trusted Christ very readily. Brother Bill uh, closes the story by saying, he was amazed how, how God works everything out. Just think about it, a troubled, lost man, ready for salvation, praying to God, asking God to send someone to pray, because he didn't believe that God would hear his prayer. Well, God did hear and in answer spoke to a teenager's heart a hundred miles away. He knew, says Brother Bill, that she had a pushover for a dad and that he would drive down the back roads for her. He sent Brother Bill on a road that he never would have taken and brought it all together by his amazing grace. And Brother Bill closes the story by saying, You ask, then was I wrong about the light? No, the light was not flashing. You're saying the cop was wrong. No, he says, the cop was right also. The light was flashing. You see, says Brother Bill, for me, the answer is no. For the policeman, the answer is yes. Well, how is that possible? And he says, I think it's a small thing for God to cause us all to see the light in a way he wished to accomplish his will. Remember, with God, nothing is impossible. And he says, the remaining few miles from that point to Maine... Um, were a joy to travel rather than the boring interstate highway. And he says, I can I can honestly say never before that day nor since that day have I ever been pulled over by a policeman that brought so much joy to my heart. Well, Brother Bill tells the story by saying he was bored on this road on his way to Maine and that God gave him joy introducing someone to Jesus and, and God giving this police officer a home in heaven. Often our days are filled with trials or trouble or just boredom, uh, maybe being stuck at home or uh, things like this. Well, I don't know anything that lifts the heart more and is encouragement to us than setting our affection on things above. And God can set a Bill Pitsenbarger's heart on things above on a back roads way through Florence, but he also wants to set our affection on things above tonight. We're going to take a venture today. And I'm going to ask you to read with me in John chapter 14 as we look at this, the title of the message, My Home, Sweet Home. We're in John 14, reminding you that Colossians 3 verse 2 says, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. It's time to reset our affection on things above. John 14 is where we are. The Bible says in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We're looking at the Father's house, our home sweet home, a place, things above, to set our affections upon. This is heaven, unfortunately, is it not often preached on in the church. It's not even, I believe, often discussed among God's people. It's obvious why men would not think about hell. But we don't think a lot about heaven. Maybe it's because we're caught up with things on the earth. But did you know that the Bible has more to say about heaven than it does about hell? Now, that's different from Jesus as a preacher. As a preacher, Jesus spoke more about hell from what we have recorded of his teaching. But as an overall book, the Bible speaks more about heaven than about hell. Well, why do we not focus on it? Well, we like to focus on what's before us. Um, What's the business of the hour? And it's easy to be caught up in what's transitory and temporal and fleeting. When we focus on heaven and things above, it puts a pressure on us, doesn't it? God wants us to feel the pressure of living on the edge of eternity. that As though heaven is before us. As though we're just strangers and pilgrims journeying through this world without having roots down here. We're far from home. We're unsettled, a peculiar people. It's you, you ever heard someone say that? You're different. You're not from around here, are you? You don't talk like the folks around here. Some of you from the north who you came to the south, or maybe you heard someone from the deep south talking, oh, they're not from where I'm from. Well, we are citizens of another country. And we're just going to touch down as we introduce a series on heaven this evening. I want to point out number one about heaven. Number one, when it comes to heaven, there's number one, scattered information throughout the Bible. Scattered information. Scattered information. For instance, if you wanted to study the Bible doctrine of justification by faith, what book of the Bible would you turn to? Justification by by faith. What book would you go to? Well, that's right, you'd go to Romans. Maybe you'd even turn to Galatians. If you wanted to study the topic of love or charity, what chapter would you go to? 1 Corinthians 13, yes. Or maybe the armor of the Christian, where would we go? What chapter? Ephesians 6, yes. And then there's being born again. Where would we go? What chapter in the Bible tells us how to be born again? John chapter 3. John 3. Well, the question is, is there a passage that tells us all about heaven? Well, yes, there is. Revelation chapter 21 and 22. just so happens that the last two chapters of the Bible tell us about heaven. And there's 32 verses that give us a description about heaven. It's Revelation chapter 21, 1 through 22, 5. And I want to give you a homework assignment. If you'll take me up on it, 
to read through some passages. Would you write these down? This week, between now and next Wednesday, I want to encourage you, if you would, to read through the last two chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, and then also John 14, 1 through 6. Those are the verses we just read. John 14, 1 to 6, and 2 Corinthians 5. Now, after you get done with those, there's just a little bit here and a little bit there. You have to... Almost like the old-time Happy Meals. They'd have a little toy in them as a boy. I remember I remember you'd get one, and it said, collect them all. Well, when it comes to information about heaven, it's here, here a little, there a little, and you have to go collect it and gather it all together. It's, all, it's not all neatly placed in one... one it's, it's dispersed widely. Well, we're going to gather some together over the next few weeks and look at them. This is, this is a, a book that... Um, when we study it, its information is scattered. Sometimes it's even a little bit figurative. Why would that be? Well, when you don't speak the language, um, it's hard. You have to be told in as best possible terms that you do speak or understand. Uh, I'm, I, I have uh, really enjoyed going to a local plant nursery, and we've picked up some plants here and there and enjoy it very much. Well, one of the gentlemen there who works is, uh, his life dream is to go to St. Peter, Petersburg, Russia. Just a really enjoyable fellow to be around. Well, since I've been talking with him, um, he's been teaching me a word of Russian here and there, and I've gotten to talk to Brother and Mrs. Ross in our church who were in Russia for a number of years. And, of course, I, I now greet this gentleman with Privyet, which is uh, the Russian greeting, hello. It's kind of a family greeting uh, you'd use it in a church setting to say hello, privyet. Oh, another one Brother Ross taught me is a, a way to say goodbye that includes thinking about God. Now, you know, Russians would not use this, this goodbye, because it has to do with God. It's spogum, spogum, which is go with God. It has an S on the front, spogum. Well, I've enjoyed learning these. I'm looking forward to seeing this fellow again so I can see if he knows the go with God. Kind of spogum would be similar to our God be with ye, or goodbye, B-Y-E at the end, be with ye. So it's God be with ye kind of crammed together. Well, when you're learning about something you don't know anything about, you have to learn it in the terms that you do understand. So sometimes it is figurative. But I believe it's a worthy study, and I want to ask our church family to start thinking toward uh, heaven, setting our affections on things above. I like what one writer said about heaven, having to do with its, the way the subject matter is presented in the scripture. He says, when feeding on descriptions of heaven, do not swallow them all together, but chew them up carefully for more nourishment. He says, don't swallow the readings like a dog swallows something without even tasting it, but chew up, think through carefully. Think of a, a restaurant that where there's fine dining. Maybe you don't get much food. Um, you know, we Americans, we like the buffet, so there's as much as you can eat and more. But think of going to a fine dining restaurant where they might have some sorbet off to the side. And it's a small little dish that would be uh, something you can take a little spoon from between uh, between 
uh, things on your on your plate, and it just cleanses your palate. It prepares your taste buds for the next taste, so that the fine taste of the exquisite yumminess isn't lost in the swish and swash and the mush and mash of a full mouth. Well, think of going through your your reading of the passages this week, chewing carefully, uh, not letting it all just flow and mush and mash together as you read in your most tired, wearisome moments of the day where it all just comes out as, well, I didn't get much out of that. But let's, heaven, let's feed on the descriptions of heaven. It, it's scattered information throughout the Bible. Number two, uh, heaven is, number two, hard to communicate. Hard to communicate. It seems distant to us, doesn't it? Some of these, oh, pathetic uh, descriptions that we have from the world around us, they think of it in terms of clouds and angels strumming harps. Uh, but the Bible gives us much, a very, very good picture. Uh, it's just hard to communicate. Some of the things are hard to understand. We can get caught up in questions that don't, that don't really matter. Uh, maybe misguided, like thinking about how does fuel continue to burn forever? What's the per ounce price of the pavement? Gold is probably up near seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars an ounce right now because of the economy. But these things about heaven and the street singular of gold, uh, this is um, does it does it matter the per ounce price? No. We can be thinking about what type of oyster could produce a gate size pearl. Well, you know these kinds of things. They're not what really matters. In fact, when you it's hard to communicate some of these things because we've we've never been there. But those who are born again, this will be their forever home. And uh, this is, in, in Revelation, if you've ever read through it, and just notice the word right, right. Uh, it seems like the angel is constantly stepping up to John's side, telling him to write it down. I picture John standing there with his mouth, mouth open, gazing, amazed, and the angel keeps saying, oh, write that down, John. Write down what you see. Um, this is, this is um, a great book, Revelation, last two chapters, so worth reading. There's no bones, there's no extra, no fat, it's all meat. Well, it's scattered information, hard to communicate. Number three, God only gives us, number three, it's a need-to-know basis. A need-to-know basis. God tells us what we need to know. He doesn't answer all of our questions. We are uh, beloved. We are the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. We don't see the way we will be yet. First John three two. We don't. It's hard to uh, comprehend. And God tells us what we need to know. Think of, think of a young man who who is struggles with just basic math. Or a young lady who just wrestles with the basic math. And suddenly, as she goes along, she becomes confronted with Algebra 1 and Algebra 2. And X and Y doesn't really mean X or Y. But there's some mysterious number lurking behind the X that robs you of a decent grade. Well, heaven is different from anything we're used to. And so to look at it, if we were to be told all that it was, we wouldn't comprehend it. it John stares, there, stares at these things and, 
and uh, how do I write that? Daniel. Sometimes Daniel is told things and he doesn't understand how can these things be. Doesn't under, even understand what he's told to write down. Well, it's a need-to-know basis. It's, it's funny when you get to the end of Pilgrim's Progress. And Pilgrim finally comes to the celestial city. The whole story just abruptly ends. What happened? Did John Bunyan run out of gas? No, he ran out of information. He only had what God tells him. And we only have, on a need-to-know basis, what God tells us. But it's enough. And it excites the appetite and excites our interest. Because this is our home. It's our future if you're saved, if you're born again, if you're a child of God. It's a need-to-know basis. And number four, I'd like you to consider some helpful resources. Helpful resources. Uh, Think of it as a biography. Well, as soon as you are thinking about heaven and you want a bibliography, you really only have a bibliography of one book, don't you? It's the written revelation of God. It's uh, the book God's given us that tells us about it. So, under helpful resources, number one would be the Bible, the inspired book of God. Now, 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Think of the verse, I go to prepare a place for you. It's not even entered into our thoughts, the things that God has prepared for us, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Well, Revelation 21 and 22 is part of that divine record, the Bible, that tells us about heaven. And truthfully, there's more said about what's not there in heaven than what is there. If you were to make a list of what's not in heaven, you'd see Revelation 21, there's no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Revelation twenty one twenty two. no temple. Verse 23, there's no, it doesn't say there's no sun, does not say there's no moon, it says there's no need for the sun, neither of the moon to shine. It says that the gates of it shall not be shut. There's no night there, no more curse, no candle, neither light of the sun. Well, we can see one of the helpful sources is the Word of God. Also, other than the direct revelation of the Word of God, there's there's indirect allusions within the Bible. Indirect allusions. For instance, what do we know about heaven? Well, the New Jerusalem is a city, but it's also a wedding feast. It's also the Father's house. Well, these the, these descriptions tell us a little bit about heaven. And then... We can know a little bit about heaven by, uh, number three, a third resource, by common understanding, reason. For instance, um, the Bible says, I go to prepare a place for you. In other words, it's a place. You, it, it, it doesn't make sense. It would be unreasonable for you to be somewhere that, it, that there was no place. You have to be, exist in a place. So, heaven cannot be placeless. That would not make sense. Um, when we're on a trip, you know, we have, we have children in the vehicle, we're on a trip. One of the common questions, maybe someone wakes up and they're sleepy, is, are we, are we there yet? Well, 
if I were to be very just just logical, I would say, no, we're not there because we're here. We can never be there because we're only here. We're always here. And when we get there, it won't be there. When we get there, it will be here. That's where we'll be. Or maybe they'll say, they'll, they'll wake up and they'll say, are we here? Well, yes, we're always here. That would probably be very frustrating if I were to have this conversation with a young person. They would be frustrated. You have to be in a place. That just makes sense. You can't be placeless. Um, it would make sense also that though just the way God is, heaven is not aimless. In other words, God has always given man an occupation, a work, purpose. Part of our fulfillment is in our work and accomplishment. And we'll be given work, occupied. The Bible talks about ruling and reigning with him. This is part of just reasonableness. Heaven is will not be placeless or aimless. And then number four, number four, this is another helpful resource, the character of God. The knowledge of who God is, the character of God, tells us a little bit about heaven. In other words, heaven has to be God-like. Uh, well, what is God like? Well, the Bible tells us to, that all things in the church are to be done decently and in order. So what would you expect heaven to be like? Orderly. Meticulous. You, your closet. Is your closet orderly? What do you think God looks like? You say, well, God doesn't have a closet. But you get my point, don't you? When scientists go further and further and further out into the universe with telescopes growing more and more powerful, they're amazed because no matter how far out they go, everything is intricate and meticulous. It doesn't matter how small something we were able to see with a microscope and and these um, molecular molecular uh, we can see things on the smallest levels now. What do we find? Everything is so perfectly uh, planned and designed. Everything resembles the, the Creator. In other words, everything God creates reflects its Maker. The heavens declare the glory of God. What do you think heaven does? Doesn't heaven, don't you, doesn't it make sense? Just the knowledge of God, heaven is Godlike, orderly. One, number five, another uh, helpful resource is to look back at Genesis 1. One of the benefits of understanding Genesis, excuse me, Revelation 21 and 22, what is heaven like? One of the benefits is having Genesis 1 and 2. In other words, God tells us what very good looks like. If we were to go before the fall and take a glimpse of what is ver- what God calls very good, the maker of the Garden of Eden is the maker of the gardens of heaven. Uh, think about it. Life without sin in heaven will be normal for us. Go back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the day with God. Imagine being able to walk with Jesus in the gardens of heaven. Well, in the new garden, I'm sure there'll be new work to do. This is what what Adam and Eve were given a work to do. Last of all, I'd like to point out one of the helpful sources or resources is uh, hints that you can we can gather from abiding in Christ today. Hints from abiding in Christ today. We only have a broken reflection of what life in the garden 
without sin was like. But as we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still. And that's not talking that He stays with us. That's talking about the abiding relationship of, of the trusting, enjoying the presence of God. It's abiding in Christ. This, we, we can have, we have that today. We can abide with Christ, but it's broken by distractions. Well, there is a slight a reflection of what walking with Jesus in heaven will be as we can abide in Christ today. This is just the beginning, friends, of our study in heaven. I was thinking about how, in closing, about how Elon Musk, um, this, this billionaire, wants to inhabit the heavens, wants to live on another planet wants to go into the atmosphere above and build a place where there can be life above. And I've read through, you know, you read through Psalms, and again, this past week I was in Psalm 115 reading, and it hit me again as it has before, where the Bible says, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. Well, the heaven, even the heaven of heavens, that's always going to be God's. If you're investing your billions into um, life in the heavens, sorry, pal, that is God's. God has given the earth. It says, the earth hath he given to the children of men. I wish someone would share this verse with Mr. Musk, because uh, any investment on man trying to live outside the domain that God has given for man to live in is going to be doomed to failure and a poor investment. But for the child of God, our affections are to be on things above. And even now, we can ask God, Lord, would you help me as we read this week and in the weeks to come about heaven to set our affection on things above. This is a help to us because that's our home. Here on earth, we're just passing through. Father in heaven, would you help us as we focus on heaven over the next several weeks, that we, as we read the scriptures in our own quiet time, Revelation 21 and 22, John 14, 1 to 6, 2 Corinthians 5, that we would chew on it, that we would take nourishment from it and enjoyment on it. After all, in your presence is fullness of joy. And that we would that we would develop a love, a hunger, an appetite for you. A hunger to be with you where you are. And so shall we ever be with you. Please help us to grow, to love you more, and look forward to home, sweet home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.